Chicago plus six and a half at the New York Giants. Explain. Uh, and, and that line's actually gone up. So there's been significant money wow. on the Giants, even up to seven and a half now in some spots. I like the Giants here. And here's the rationale. The Bears have the had— The rationale should be Jay Cutler. But go ahead. I agree with that. I will say this about Cutler, and you'll love this one. If if they would have cut Cutler this year, they would have had $17 million, the Bears, of dead money on the cap. That's humongous. That's untenable. If they cut him next year— Two million dead money, which now, is yes. Now, for our football fans, explain what dead money is. All right. So, and again, I'm no capologist, right? But just in the highest level, it's money saying, yeah, you're going to pay it anyway, but you can't pay it to someone else. And most teams, though, they don't want to pay the money. They'd love to have the money in their pocket. There's a lot of teams that would spend like crazy if they weren't limited by the cap. And what happens is that dead money means you can't pay that $17 million to somebody else, and thus it's more meaningful than if you could cut them and not have the dead money. Would you? Is that a fair way to say it? That's a fair way to say it. That's a fair way to say it. But go ahead. Continue to handicap this Bears-Giants game. And I think the point of the dead money is Cutler knows the odds are very good he's not going to be back with the Bears because there's no great consequence to cutting him at this point, and that contract is a monster, so he's pretty much playing for his next contract, which you tend to see guys get more serious, maybe not be attitude problems quite as much, and I think that Cutler's going to try very hard. We saw it two, a couple weeks ago, though last week, obviously, it didn't work out so well. One last thing about this game. Two last things. Bears... Maybe their two best players, linemen, a guard named Long, and a wide receiver, Jeffrey. Now, not huge names, either of them. They're both out this week. Those are possibly the two best players on the Bears, and they were playing last week. So, real serious injury problems for the Bears. And one other thing about the Giants, I know you care a lot about the New York teams. If you look at teams that have a net negative turnover margin, so the number of times they get turnovers versus how many times they give it up, of minus two or worse. So, Pretty much the below average teams. There's 13 of them in the NFL, Stephen. Only two have a winning record. Giants and the Houston Texans. So if you turn the ball over, you cannot win in the NFL. The fact that Giants have turned the ball over and they're still winning is a heck of a testament that this team might be better than people think. I would go with the Giants. Let's go to the next game. A pick'em, Arizona at Minnesota? Yeah, and to me... I think the big question in this game, and I'd like to get your quick thought on it, is you have a Coach Zimmer, a guy who, quite frankly, a couple years ago had never had a head coaching job into his 50s. So you might say, okay, maybe the GMs were seeing something they didn't like about him. Then he got the job, had a good year last year, had a good start to the season. Then you started hearing Coach Zimmer is the Bill Belichick of the NFC. I heard that a few times, no lie. So now after that first loss, they lost that first game, he was so upset. He talked about it Sunday, talked about it Monday, talked about it Tuesday, all losing one of 16 NFL games. Now they've lost four in a row. Can we agree there's total uncertainty right now about what's going on in that locker room? Sometimes there's A-type personalities. As a Steeler fan, I think Coach Cower was like that. When the team was doing well, that's those Steeler teams were great. When the pressure was on, they tended to get tight because the coach, I thought, from my perspective, was such an A-type. Do you think Zimmer and how A-type he is, how intense he is, could be a problem when you've lost four straight games? Mm. 
Interesting. I mean, listen, I don't know what to make of this situation in Minnesota, but I do know this. You don't have a good offensive line. You got two starters off your offensive line. Adrian Peterson is not there. Your wide receivers, even Stephon Diggs, hasn't been 100% healthy. Kyle Rudolph looks as slow as a snail these days. I don't understand what's going on with him. So my mentality is that you don't have much to work with offensively, which put more pressure on a defense because they're probably on the field more and suffering immensely because the offense can't generate anything uh, for them. And as a result, they look like a shell of themselves. That's what I feel for Minnesota, Jay. No, I mean, I think, uh, RJ? I think you're right. I think you can win. If you have a great one side of the ball, you can win if the other side is 18th, 20th in the league. It's hard to win if you're even great on one side if you're 30, 31, 32. I think the case can be made. Minnesota is the worst offense in the NFL right now. I'm not sure that's exactly true, but I think it's a valid case. One last thing about Arizona. Record isn't great, obviously, but if you look at net yards per play, the wise guys love that stat. How many yards do you gain every play on offense versus how many yards do you give up every play that you defend? That tells you so much about how good a team is. Second best team in the NFL, Arizona. RJ Bell right here with Stephen A. Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. The Buffalo Bills plus four and a half at Cincinnati. Why? Yeah, and that and more betting action in that one. Since he's down to three in that, favored by three. Mm. I like the Bengals here. I think the Bills, they won those four games. They were in some favorable situations, especially against a third string quarterback with the Patriots. And Rex Ryan, he's a big personality. When you win four in a row, it gets a lot of attention. But I think Buffalo is a little overrated because of that. And I think Cincy is trending in the right direction. Don't forget, they lost Hugh Jackson in the offseason. Their OC went to coach the Browns. Lost their second and third best receivers. And their tight end, Eifert, was out a big chunk of the season. All that caused the slow start for Cincy. I think, though, when you lose people, you tend to improve more during the year. Think about this concept, Stephen. If you have everyone coming back, you're going to be pretty much as good game three as you are game 13. If you have a lot of young players, a lot of uh, you know free agents, just new changes, you're not going to, likely you're going to be much better in game 13 than game three. I think Cincy, with all their changes, they're trending upwards. I think the Bills are overrated. And one last thing, the Bengals have a sneaky good home field advantage. Last 28 regular season home games, Cincinnati's only lost 8 of 28. 8 of 28 against the spread. I like the Bengals. Talking to R.J. Bell right here with Stephen A. Mad Dog Sports Radio. Baltimore Ravens plus 7 at the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, one of my favorite picks of the week. Love, love the Ravens here. Cowboys have covered 8 straight games. Now think, Eight, no, that looks good on a piece of paper, on an email I might send you. But it's more than that. It's if you bet on the Cowboys, you handed your money over, and then the bookie gave you double back. Well, not quite double because you got to bet a little extra vague, but almost double. Imagine if you did that week after week. Oh, I'm going to skip this week. Then the next week I bet the Cowboys. Oh, I doubled my money again. Are you going to be anxious to bet against them? No, it's positive reinforcement, right? It's you're getting a, when you do something and you get rewarded, you tend to do it again. Because of that, there's five times the money so far bet on Dallas than Baltimore. And what happens when you have lopsided money? It's like any market, like a stock market, like the real estate market, the prices go up. I think the Cowboys are expensive here. And one other thing about the Ravens, obviously a good defense, obviously a good coach. 
when Harbaugh has extra time, anytime he has more than the normal seven or six days of rest, however you want to say that, they've won 15 of 18 games. So 18 times in Harbaugh's career he's had extra rest, and they've won 15 of them. And we're getting a touchdown in this game. I like the Ravens. Pittsburgh minus nine at the Cleveland Browns. Oh, I'm scared of this one. Man, as a Steeler fan. I think that's a little bit too high. I think you're right, and I like it. That's a good contrarian attitude, Stephen. Mm. We're learning here. Yes. But but here's the thing about this is the Steelers, one, any winless team is usually a good bet. Now, you might say, what? They don't win, but we're supposed to bet them? That's the point, right? Because no one else wants to bet them, and they're getting cheap. It's kind of like the flip side of the Cowboys. In the NFL since 1989, so decades and decades, week nine or later, so late into the season, winless teams, 50 and 20 against the spread. So 70 games, there's been winless teams week nine or later, and you've covered the spread 50 of the 70. That is outstanding, and it shows you how being contrarian is the way to go in the NFL. And here's another example of Pittsburgh and Tomlin. When they're supposed to win games, they tend to underperform. When Pittsburgh is favored on the road by six points or more, so they're minus nine in this game, they've lost 13 of 15. So 2-13 and 13 against the spread. That's against the spread. 2-13 and 13 against the spread when they're supposed to win big on the road. So you've got a strong trend, both of them pointing to the Browns. How does Vegas feel about Mike Tomlin? I'll be honest with you. Is here, That's such a subtle question. Because one thing you know about Twitter, anyone on Twitter knows or social media, is intelligent people love to think they know more than the coaches. Mm -hmm. And obviously they don't really know about X's and O's. Like they're not going to say, oh, that they should bring the big nickel in to cover that tight end. No one on Twitter thinks they really know that much about that stuff because they'd be coaches if they did. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, oh, should I call a timeout at 2.05 in the first half or right after the two-minute warning? All those kind of things. People love to think they're smart on Twitter. And Tomlin is not good at those things. So because of that, there's a sense that, oh, he's – not a, uh, an intellectual coach. So I think in that sense, Vegas doesn't like Tomlin. The other side is as a motivator, as a, uh, a player's coach, as we want to play for this guy, I think he gets really good grades. So I would split it up and say he's probably a D when it comes to game in-game management. And I think he's probably an A when it comes to motivation and player uh, engagement. R.J. Bell right here with Stephen A., Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. The Miami Dolphins plus one at the Los Angeles Rams, starting number one overall pick Jared Goff for the first time. Yeah, and you know one of the things I love about Vegas and and our segment and segments like these is a big chunk of our listeners don't bet on sports. You don't bet on sports. I do not. What makes it fascinating right, is that Vegas has an opinion that everybody knows they're willing to bet big money to back up. So people take that opinion very seriously. We have a great example in this case. What does Vegas think of Jared Goff? Because early in the week, there was a line on this game when the assumption was that Case Keenan was going to start. The line was the Rams at home favored by one point over the Dolphins. Then the announcement comes, and there's a reaction by Vegas. And what is it? Boom. The Dolphins become favored in the game by one. So there was a two-point move, and it was away from the Rams. So really, Vegas is saying it's about a two-point downgrade, in our opinion, with Goff. Now think about Case Keenum. If Case 
Keenum, it, it, you're downgrading from that, you might be in a little bit of trouble. I'm not optimistic. I like the Dolphins here. I will say one thing that causes me to be a little less enthusiastic about the Dolphins. They had four games in a row, their last four, with the offensive line 100% healthy. 4-0 and in those games. Such a key for them. Unfortunately, their left tackle is hurt. He's out multiple weeks. Now they got to reshuffle the line. Pouncey, the center, is questionable. I think it really is a situation where the Dolphins, you're not going to hear a bunch about the offensive line, but I do think it's a big factor in this game. New England Patriots, minus 13 and a half at the 49ers. I mean, just showing the 49ers no respect at all. Well, we got them. Remember, every week we have the Vegas rankings up at the website, 1-32 to from a Vegas perspective, all the NFL teams. And you might think the Browns are 32. Nope. Browns are 31. 49ers are 32. Let and why is you. that? And why well, is that? Well, we, we quite frankly, I mean, uh, the obvious answer is we think the 49ers are better. Uh, I'm sorry, the Browns are better. But the reason we think they're better has a lot to do with Chip Kelly. Now, I like Chip Kelly. I'm a contrarian thinker. I love guy. You know, I'm a big fan of Silicon Valley and venture capital and kind of the, you know, new way of thinking about business. And I think Chip Kelly is an example, you know, almost like the 76ers have been, which that hasn't worked out so well. But Chip Kelly has been an example of a guy coming in with new ideas into football. A lot of them people thought was ridiculous. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people are copying him. The thing I think that makes Chip Kelly good in the mid to long term makes him bad this year. And here's what it is, Stephen. He wants to play very, very fast. Now, think about in basketball, right? You've played a lot of basketball on the street courts and all that stuff. If you were playing against two-on-two, let's say, you and a buddy against two others, and the other two were better than you, clearly better than you, would you rather play a game to seven or a game to 21? I'd rather play it to 21. Even if the other team's better? Well, I get, I get what you're saying. I'd probably wait, wait it to seven, but I'm thinking conditioning, wearing them down, but you're right. It's probably yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'm playing Michael Jordan in his prime, I want to play to one, and I'm going to shoot from half court before he knows I'm shooting because that's right. my only chance to win, right? You want to lower the number of plays. Well, yeah. Chip Kelly is running so many. He's playing that super Chip Kelly fast-paced offense, which is what he thinks is the best offense. But when you have inferior talent, like obviously the 49ers do on offense, then in theory you'd want to shorten the game. So you know what my thing about Chip Kelly is? He's the classic example of an arrogant coach who's out of place. He needs to go back to college. You know why? He don't think about his talent. He thinks about his system. You know something? That is so interesting because I, what did I mention? Hedge funds, venture capital. That's not, not – there's humans involved in that, but they're not – they're within the securities, within the investments. Yeah. But, but really, if you buy Google stock or you don't buy Google stock, that is about data. You, I think Chip Kelly is probably a borderline – I think he's certainly brilliant when it comes to the abstraction of football, but how do the players respond to that? Almost like the thing that Tomlin does really well that we just talked about. I think Chip Kelly obviously has not done super well with that. One last thing about this game, though. Boy, 13, the Patriots favored on the road. That is gigantic. We've got the Patriots as the best – a team and uh, clearly in the league right now. And we've got 49ers, as we said, as the worst. So this would be the biggest road spread of any team matchup possible. And you have Belichick off a loss, and he responds very aggressively after a loss. Philadelphia Eagles plus six at Seattle. Boy, there is so Seattle has the best home field in the NFL. Let's start there. Uh, the most valuable home field. 
But there's two scenarios that home field is even more valuable. One is when they play a competitive game. Because think about it. If you're supposed to win by 12 or 13, yeah, the fans are going to be there, but they're probably not going to be at a fever pitch. But when you have a competitive game, the noise gets even noisier. And the last 17 times, Seattle has had a home game that they were not favored by more than a touchdown. So not more than a touchdown. So this is six, so it's not more than a touchdown. They are 17-3. and three. Check that. 14-3, and three, 14 out of 17 against the spread. So 17 times they've covered 14 when it's a competitive game. So that's even better for the Seattle home field. And then there's another time the Seattle home field is good, which is late in the season. November or later at home, 27-5 and five straight up. So I think that is the driver here. There's a little too much love for Carson Wentz, I think. I think, if anything, the Philly defense is playing particularly well. Not so much the offense right now, but I think Seattle's home field is the dominating force in this game. One last thing about Philly. If Philly wants to feel like they're being um, not persecuted but treated unfairly, Mm -hmm. check this stat out. The last four weeks, the Eagles have played a team with 10 or more days of rest. All right, so either a bye or off a Thursday game. Last four weeks. There's five teams in the NFL that hasn't faced a single team with extra rest, and there's 12 teams that's only faced one. So there's 17 teams with either one or zero times facing a team with extra rest, and the Eagles have done it four straight weeks. Gotcha. Green Bay, plus three at Washington. Last game. Talk to me. Probably my favorite game of the week. One of the best. I love the Redskins here. And this is going to surprise you. In fact, let me just ask you, who's the better team? Neutral field. Both teams have two weeks off. It's like a neutral, Super Bowl. Neutral field. It would be Washington right now the way things are going in Green Bay. But I'm relying on the greatness of Aaron Rodgers under adverse circumstances to rise to the occasion and show us what he's got. Wow. I think the exact opposite of what you just said. I think Aaron Rodgers under adverse circumstances is a big problem. Because think about it, Stephen. They've been winning Super Bowls or competing for Super Bowls for, you know, what, since 2008, 2009. And even during the good times with Aaron Rodgers, you hear the whispers more than I do. Oh, he's California cool. Oh, he's haughty. Oh, he doesn't respect us as teammates. Now, finally, really for the first time in all those years, their backs are really against the wall. And what did he do? After the Colts game, Aaron Rodgers called out his teammates. Now, if you're really respected on your team, they might say, I don't want to disappoint Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to pick it up. Well, what happened? They got blown out by the Titans after that. So to me, I think we've had a one-game sample. What happens when Aaron Rodgers tries to step up and be a leader during tough times? The team, I don't want to say they gave up. They did not have a good performance against the Titans. So to me, I think it's a big question mark how the Packers respond to this adversity. 